Today on the podcast, a mental peace moment that had me questioning the meaning of words, a novel that materializes three figures in front of us to help us guide the story, and of course the weekly reveal to what magical book I have pulled down from my Tibby Red shelf. All of that and more this week on A Novel Review. Hello and welcome to the literature podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hey guys, welcome to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review, a literature podcast exploring the wonderful, wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus, I am your host, and for today's episode, Stephen Mayoff's latest novel, The Island Gospel According to Samson Grief. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past, and this past week I went to a Flash Philosophy event. Now, I have never been to a Flash Poetry event, so I can't say how similar it is, but basically it was these two philosophers, Mark and Robert, on stage in this wonderfully cute, intimate little venue, and basically the crowd just get to shout out any random word, and they riff off whatever they know about the words that are shouted out. Now, it wasn't a circus, there, you know, it was actually quite civilised in that people would raise their hands for a new word, but yeah. Some of the words were truth, uh, there was elastic, there was wizard, betrayal, lobster, time, hyperbole, light, game. Such a wonderful mix of words in there. But yeah, you're probably sitting there wondering, you know, what they actually talk about, what what actually happened. Uh, I'll give you an example now. Let's take the word truth. They spoke about the etymology of the word. Now the word comes from Latin and, and sort of Greek and then Latin. And how the meaning means striking true, so getting a hammer and striking a nail into some wood, striking it true, um, basically means something going into something where it should fit. Something that's very reductive. Um, Then there's, of course, the larger sense of truth in that there's this idea of truth being something we can attain through, you know, maybe good moralistic values or something like that. You know, the, the, the eternal truth that's above us. Uh, but then, of course, there's this very simple reductive truth of I am sitting here right now recording an episode and you are sitting there listening to it, or watching it, walking, whatever you're doing right now. But that's exactly what you're doing. And that is 100% true. So just wonderfully fun because it's sort of stuff that you know and you can imagine yourself. But then, of course, just hearing it and then come up with it on the spot like that really does sort of give a wonderful element to the entire evening. It was incredible fun um it's like to say i fact checked none of that so don't come for me in the comments about you know truth being from greek and latin descent or striking true or you know whatever 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 do not come for me but if you do have a proper meaning for the word please put it in the comments you know we're here to learn we are here to learn bit of housekeeping for the episode if you could like subscribe five star review i would really appreciate it thank you very much um yeah no i really Really do appreciate it. It helps other people find the pod. So yeah, thanks for all that. Um, all the scripts from the episodes are also available on the website if that's something you're interested in. And there should be closed captions somewhere around here on the YouTube videos. So thanks, guys. All 
Okay, another week, another book. Here we go. The Island Gospel According to Samson Grief. This book came to me through a friend who works in publishing in Canada. Uh, she recommended the book to me, which is super kind of her, and it also really helps that she has great taste in books and in stories. I spoke about this book a few episodes ago when I read out the blurb. I was just about to set off on my reading journey uh, then. So the book for context is written by a Canadian author by the same name of Stephen Mayoff. This is his latest novel, and what a supremely curious novel it is. It is safe to say that I was not expecting this kind of story when I read out the blurb a few episodes ago and when I started to read the book. I'll do a little rehash of the blurb, just which is you know kind of like a light version of the overview, just before we delve into the sort of meaty stuff of the episode. Basically, it's a book about Samson Grief, who is an artist living in Prince Edward Island in Canada, and basically three figures, or figs as he starts to refer to them, appear in front of him and tell him he needs to build a synagogue on the site on this particular site on the island. The three figures are Judas, the guy that betrayed Jesus, Fagin, who is a criminal in the Charles Dickens novel Oliver Twist, and Shylock, who is the moneylender in the Shakespearean play The Merchant of Venice. So basically, three pretty large characters to bring to life in a book. Three pretty large characters to have materialise in front of you and tell you to build the island's first synagogue. Now, what I was expecting from this was a story of kind of one man's journey to build this synagogue and that he would kind of be viewed as crazy by the public, but his determination and drive are what keep him moving until eventually, through his determination and tenacity, he wins over the public who then all come together to help him, etc, etc, etc. That is not the case in this book. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the figs and the imaginative aspect of this novel actually takes the backseat for a lot of the story, which I say, of course, feel full well knowing that they're the ones who kind of set the whole thing in motion, but nonetheless, I've said it. What this book for me actually was, was a political thriller of sorts. Samson wants, or rather, is instructed to proclaim the site of Rosita's Field as the site to be used for the synagogue. This same area has been scouted as an election promise as an area that needs to be cleaned up and restored and then also become the site for some public buildings. Of course, it's not that simple, with the public buildings being wrapped up in donations, public funding that is reportedly going somewhere else. I'm explaining it quite loosely, but uh, you know, a bit dodgily as well, but I think we all understand what I'm saying, just the general idea that politicians normally have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies and make a lot of promises, and sometimes that is not the case. Because of this, it's a wonderfully aware novel. It doesn't feel like it sweeps anything under the rug in terms of attention, because politics is messy, and so this book is really messy in an authentic type of way. There are conversations about First Nations people and how land was never ceded. There are the driving forces of politicians' promises being fulfilled. There is a dirty smell surrounding the funding of promises and who owns what and who has a finger in this pie and that pie and what benefit actually comes from all this. But nonetheless, Samson grows to develop a kind of faith in the figs and starts the wheels in motion for getting this wild task moving. Now, Samson is kind of known island-wide. He has had some success as an artist and had one artwork a few years that caused a bit of controversy. The artwork is called Anne of Bergen-Belsen, and it is a painting of Anne Shirley, who, 
for those of you that don't know, is a fictional character in the book Anne of Green Gables that takes place on Prince Edward Island. Bergen Belsen, on the other hand, was a Nazi concentration camp, and the artwork is painted after 9-11, which, even though I was seven at the time, I know was a time when everyone was a bit on edge, let's say, and so something like this artwork could have fully triggered some people. But Samson is able to defend this work, stating that it represents the idea that the primary victim is the delusion of our collective innocence. The primary victim in the artwork is the victim of our collective innocence. It's a line in the text that Samson says he pulled out of his ass in the moment, but I am sure Stephen may have spent some time crafting this perfect line. It's an interesting line and idea because a bit later in the story, the figs go from being the delusion of Samson's own imagination to reality for everyone, as they suddenly make themselves physical in a sense so that everyone can now see them. That's when the story really starts to become this wild adventure because now as the reader, you are kind of unsure what kind of reality this world is existing in. No longer one man's delusion, it appears that the world is now existing in this state of delusion. As someone that is non-religious, it made me question my own position on it and how I would react if I found myself in such a situation, questioning this and the dualities of truth that I mentioned earlier. On one hand, I can't possibly believe that these figs have materialized, the truth that these figs have materialized in front of me, and yet there they would be in that sort of reductive truth state. There they are. So for me, this idea of collective innocence is a combination of what we can see and then what we can believe. Another aspect of the novel that I think is perhaps most frightening, besides from believing you are hallucinating and materializing three historical figures that seem to be able to hold some motivational sway over you, is the fact that Samson agrees to do this. He tries to get the synagogue off the ground and built. Doing something like this, voicing these opinions, especially in such a polarizing political minefield, means that he is left open of sorts, and so his name and persona are taken from him and dragged through the mud when it is convenient to prove a different point. It's kind of scary how we as humans can be so nasty in pursuit of our own goals and are quite happy to belittle people to get there. Something I loved about this book was the whole thing felt very very local, and even though I've never been to Prince Edward Island, or even Canada for that matter, I still felt like I knew and sort of understood the place, which is a great quality to get from a book, especially one like this that is so embedded into the local culture. It didn't alienate me from the text itself, from the story. I have no idea if the places in this book are real, or if they're made up, but I'd like to think they are real because it's, it's kind of fun, and I imagine it would have been fun for Stephen to have this experience writing about his own local culture, sinking his teeth into his own sort of area. But that is a skill of the writing because, again, it's incredibly politically heavy as well as culturally heavy, and you might think that that could detract you from the story because, well, I have to admit, my finger is nowhere near the pulse when it comes to knowing anything about Canadian politics, but I still felt deeply embedded and invested and angry and scared for Samson throughout the story. It really is an emotional roller coaster of a novel because right up until the last moments of it, you still don't know how it will end. The final act of this story is kind of being led to the whole story and then you get there and you're like, oh, an ending fit for the story. What would I rate this book out of five? I'm going to give it a four out of five. So what am I reading this week? This week I am reading a magazine. I picked this magazine up a few weeks ago and have only just got around to reading it. It's National Geographic's Secret Societies, True Tales of Covert Cults and Organizations and Their Leaders. So 
yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds great from the offset. It's, it's a bit service level, to be honest, a bit introductory, but hey, I, that's you know probably the point to introduce you so you can figure out which secret societies and cults interest you so you can do your own research. Some of the societies and cults discussed in this edition are the Knights Templar, the Oracles of Delphi, the Pharisees, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, the Mafia, Opus Dei. So yeah, a huge mix of societies all wrapped up in conspiracy and secrecy, and I am loving it. It is great, great fun. Now, before I close out the show, if you have listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. And of course, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So I think it's time to end this episode. And today to take us away, I think some Reina Maria Rilke, because we could always use more Rilke in our lives. And he says, Don't search for the answers, which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps, then someday far in the future, you'll gradually, without even noticing it, live your way to the answer.